Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss line bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you 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 must be so excited. Listen now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Dancy Lagarde fans, you will be thrilled to know a book is coming out if you fund it. Via Unbound, we are publishing The Dancy Lagarde Reader by Alice Fraser and Dancy Lagarde, a glorious insight into the world of Dancy Lagarde, self-published romance maven and online bestseller. If you would like to find out how to support it, go to thebuglepodcast.com. If we get enough support, we will publish the book. That's a real thing that's going to happen. Thebuglepodcast.com to support The Dancy Lagarde Reader. This is a podcast from The Bugle. The raven throne looms in the darkness of the empty throne room. The decadent glamour of the court has retired for the evening to lurk in its richly decorated rooms and scheme quietly over expensive wine. In the abandoned throne room, a soft noise echoes through the dark. A shadow shifts almost imperceptibly and then detaches itself from the wall and moves in towards the throne. One step. Two steps. Suddenly, a scraping roar and flames run along the channels built into the sides of the hall. Candles light themselves and suddenly the shadow in the raven throne is illuminated, showing a hawk face and deeply sunken eyes. Were you sitting there the whole time? At last, he sighs. I've been waiting for the gargle. This is the gargle, the sonic glossy magazine to the Bugle's audio newspaper for Visual World. I'm your host, Alice Fraser, and your guest editors for this week's edition of the magazine are Kai Samra. Welcome. Hello. And Tiff Stevenson. Hello. Hi. Uh, We have a video version of this now up online, which means that there will be some people who are able to see that you are wearing horizontal stripes, Tiff, and vertical stripes, Kai. It's almost as though we coordinated this. Yeah. (laughs) We and Tiff actually did, to be fair. (laughs) Yeah, we had a quick phone call. I was like, can I have the horizontal because they actually are more slimming? And Kai said he would f*** me up. Wow. Uh, if I tried to wear horizontal stripes, so <laughs> yeah, I mean this is stripes, Tiff. Come on, it's not like, like no laughing matter. Before we launch ourselves headfirst into the ball pit that is this week's top stories, let's have a look at the front cover. 
the front cover of the magazine this week is David Attenborough, who has, at 98 years old, finally been made an officially endangered species. He's posing provocatively with his consistent care for the planet. Good old David Attenborough. The sea is fighting back. It seems to be the theme of the news of the last uh, few weeks. We had Gladys the Orca leading her pod in attacks against uh, against boats. Uh, and now uh, Sir David Attenborough's film crew being attacked by sharks on a six-day trip to an island north of Hawaii. They were shooting footage of a, an albatross's maiden flight, uh, which seems to me to be, you know, how do they know the albatross was a maiden? Um, but... <laughs> You know, don't you think? Don't you think of all of the people that anyone could attack? David Attenborough's film crew is the last that any creature on earth should attack because they're the only people who are fighting in your interests. Well, you're following an albatross. You're already doomed, aren't you? It wasn't an albatross <laughs> a sign that that a ship was going to sink or that something bad was going to happen. I see if you killed an albatross because albatrosses were good luck. Right. Oh, okay. Okay. I, 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 there's a lot of shark stuff in the news recently and simultaneously an attempt to rebrand shark attacks. Um, so I'm thinking of applying for the job as shark PR because um, they were like, can we rebrand these? Could you, could you not say it was a frenzied attack? Could you say you were lovingly lacerated? <laughs> and also, could you not refer to them as prehistoric? They find that quite ageist. <laughs> Sharks aren't into it. Like, Also, I think... Dolphin, I mean, dolphins have had amazing PR for years and years and years and dolphins are bad bitches. And I talked about this in my stand-up, but I think they're upset because uh, they don't want sharks getting good PR. They call them no reverse <laughs> But to be fair, I, I read that they went out in a blow-up blow boat. Like, I don't know, just to be honest with you, your bosses are sending you into like shark-infested waters in an inflatable boat. They kind <laughs> of want you to die. Like, I feel like this is just a really extravagant new plan from the BBC just to sort of cut down on staff costs just like should we do official layoffs no redundancies no let's just turn all the underperforming staff into fish food that's what we'll do it's a crazy thing but also at the risk of like offending everyone here i don't know why david Attenborough gets so much love i don't know what he does i, don't, I feel like he just talks like because he doesn't do any of the stuff he doesn't film any of the stuff he just talks over I mean, he's he's 98 years old. Yeah, to be fair, he must be the only white guy who spent a lifetime working at the BBC and still kept his reputation intact. So I'm going to argue with the this uh, with you on this. I'm a big David Attenborough fan. I uh, <laughs> like he earned his stripes. You know, there's footage of him. You know, on on very 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 early black and white uh, cameras. You know, approaching extremely hostile groups of animals with just sort of. A benevolent British attitude of like, hi, <laughs> hello, tiger. Yeah, that's just pure British. That was what all the British did back in the day. Just going up to places, just like, I belong here. And it's like, he's managed to get away with it. To be fair, like I said, he's kept his reputation intact after a lifetime of the BBC. So if that doesn't deserve a knighthood, I don't know what does, to be fair. I like the idea of Attenborough going up to lions and asking them why they aren't queuing. With it, making it about British stuff. <laughs> Giving yeah, tea to giraffes. <laughs> I feel like the biggest personal tragedy of my life is that he didn't take the short window uh, after Prince Philip's death to marry the Queen. Oh, <laughs> that would have been that national would... treasure. And national yeah. was national treasure squared. Ask Nicholas Cage. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's coming out oh, in 2026. Yeah, that's an episode <laughs> of Don't Tell the Bride. I definitely do want to see. To be fair. <laughs> and now it's time for your ads. 
Are you haunted by your horrible past, the sins you regret but can never escape? Atonement at best, a Judeo-Christian fiction at worst, a petty footnote in a history written in blood. Try distracting yourself with a brightly coloured monthly sock subscription from Knitkit. 100% natural fibres to keep your feet warm, fungus-free, and soak up any blood from any <laughs> any mistakes you might be making right now. <laughs> <laughs> like the specificity of right now like Alice is just mopping up blood well I like to listen to my podcast while I'm going about my daily chores maybe your daily chores are doing horrible regrettable things <laughs> I don't know tick them off your to-do list and then you feel a sense of achievement along with your sense of shame and today's show is brought to you by creepy museums that aren't really museums they're just a weird person's house who owns a lot of similar things uh that's a place that you can go on a weekend. Creepy museums that are just someone's house. Your entrance fee is paying for someone's divorce and even more racist dolls. And imagine a world far from ours, a water world, a post-apocalyptic world, riven by conflicts generations old. Imagine that in your hand. Half a glass of water. <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Uh, and this is a slightly involved story involving AI, which is the news that AI being trained on human-generated content in some instances may be being trained on AI-generated content. So there's a company called a Mechanical Turk, which is meant to create content that then is tr a training base for AI. And it turns out about 30% of the content it's creating is created itself by AI, that the workers are cheating using robots. Uh, Kai Samra, you've stared into the eyes of an unliving creature. Can you unpack this story for us? <laughs> so basically, this is, uh, like you said, it's basically AI automating uh, Turk workers, which I, I didn't know what Turk work workers was. And it's basically people workers that do things that AI find difficult to do, like circle an object in a photo or identifying the sentiment of a sentence or resisting the urge to take over the human race, that sort of thing. And like, the thing is, I'm not surprised because like humans are just late. Like whenever I write an email nowadays, I'll essentially just hand my fist down at the keyboard at approximately where the right letters are. And if the laptop hasn't automatically spelled check it to perfection, I'm basically chucking it in the bin. So I'm absolutely not surprised by this. Uh, but I also feel like, well, obviously there's a lot of AI talk in the news recently. Um, I just feel like we're in the really boring prequel era of like an 80s sci-fi <laughs> film. Like in the Terminator, it just goes straight to Skynet taking over like the global military weapon system. And like we're at the really boring prequel bit where Skynet has just worked out how to select <laughs> all the images of traffic lights and a capture test, that sort of thing. Like until it's able to like go into a biker bar, nick somebody's clothes and say, hasta la vista. 
I'm kind of bored by it all, but also very scared as well about what's going to come. Well, I'm. So, I would so much rather Arnold Schwarzenegger standing at my window with a with a shotgun than what happens now at the window of my car, which is just various beeping noises telling me I'm doing things wrong. Ah, <laughs> yeah, I know. Very patronising AI. <laughs> That's the one thing I don't like about it. Forget the aggression. It's just a patronising manner of it all. Did you mean? <laughs> we didn't know yeah. that. You know, especially with the technology in in cars that it was going to get, I think when we thought the the technology for cars became more and more advanced, it would be exciting. It would be like kit, you know, but I just spent my days screaming at at, at Mercedes and Alexa, which actually, (laughs) you know, makes me feel like as someone who just went to a a crappy comprehensive, like I'd gone to a a posh girl school, (laughs) shouting at Alexa and Mercedes all day long. Um, But uh, yeah, my car tells me, I used to have a car that said, when I was running out of petrol, it said I had limited range, which I took as an insult as an actress. <laughs> and uh, and now I've got a car that if you if I put my handbag, this is how I know I carry too much crap around with me. I'll put my handbag on the passenger seat and it registers as a person. <laughs> it keeps trying to get me to put the seatbelt on the handbag. So, you know, sometimes the technology hinders us more than more than helps us but I do, I I'm well the interesting thing about this is that we you know we've been working for Google for years that's what Google capture was it was kind of done as a prove you're not a, a robot prove you're not a robot by by clicking on this and and that was supposed to be an enhanced layer of t- of uh, security for us but a friend of mine who works in tech was like oh no no no! this is us doing a job for them this is us teaching the machines how to recognize a traffic light how to recognize a bicycle how to recognize a boat so we're teaching them and simultaneously as humans we're becoming less self-aware like as life goes on because we're just putting any old crap up online and on instagram and our 57th selfie of the day whilst the machines are becoming more self-aware i feel like so i'm such a sucker for that like i feel like Anything to give away my details. I'm like, Pokemon Go, that's great. Take all my details. And then I can't, don't really feel like I've got any right to complain, to be fair. And also, this is the thing, they're training us as much as anything else. We think that we're training them, but actually they're training us. Do you think any natural human would list a, a, a shoe as like baby toddlers, kids, boys, girls, lightweight, breathable, breeze, knit sneakers, non-slip air cushion <laughs> soles, slip-on shoes, <laughs> secure <laughs> transaction? Like, what... <laughs> This is not natural. This is robots training us to help them do what they need to do in order to get money from us, which they don't even want. Uh, that's I've heard you say stuff like that at a party, Alice. Don't lie to me. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great way, actually, to get rid of someone you don't want to talk to. Yeah. <laughs> just... I'm just a girl looking for man, 42, strong jawline. <laughs> <laughs> Polyethylene plastic. <laughs> Does anyone know the etymology behind the phrase mechanical Turks? Is there a... Um, yes, it was originally, uh, I think, a steam-driven um, steam-driven humanoid sort of robot thing that would do a, a, a series of humanoid-type things. It's like a Victorian-era sideshow thing, a mechanical Turk, and so it would like play the piano or seem to drink a glass of water. Yeah, I love how even the mechanical workers are immigrants. Just like, we can't remember what we're... <laughs> let's get a turk on. <laughs> Eventually, all of the jobs, whenever you hear anyone kind of complaining about immigration, that is, you know, they're coming over here, they don't speak the language, and you're like, oh, the, the machines from China you've just brought in <laughs> to do the self-service checkout. 
Like eventually machines will take all of all of the jobs from all of us. And then are we going to be working for the machines one day? This, I mean, this is the whole point of Terminator, right? I just feel like it's so depressing that we've gotten from a world in which uh, like the Jetsons idyllic future possibility was the idea that robots would do all of the tasks and people would be able to just chill out and now the idea of robots taking our jobs fills us with dread because we know for a fact that instead of living like a Jetsons-like futuristic bliss life we'll be thrown onto the rubbish heap of history. And now it's time for your reviews. As you know, each week we ask our guest editors to bring in something to review out of five stars. Tiff, what have you brought in for us this week? I've brought in an import from basically from America, but having spent some time in Los Angeles, you may have heard me talking before about a certain type of woman from Los Angeles who talks like her voice is running out of batteries. Uh, they call it the vocal fry. <laughs> Men find it sexy when you sound like you're on 20%. Please plug me in. So what has happened with the vocal fries? It started in Los Angeles. And then all of a sudden, it like transferred its way across to Australia. And there are now women in Melbourne and Sydney who are also doing vocal fry. And then actually, if you went to the right school here and you've got a bit of head girl energy and your name is possibly Millie or Imogen, you also have it. So it's like an STD. And I don't know why it's happening. America is to blame because they we watch the TV and films and I'm presuming... You know, it sort of started in a film there, but vocal fry has infected, it's infected the world. It's like herpes for the throat. Why do you think people do it? Do you think it's a way of making your voice sound sort of deeper and and more authoritative or? I think originally, like now I'm doing the Australian version of it, (laughs) but um, uh, I think originally, um, I'm trying to do the American now because I'm got stuck in the Australian one. Um, I think it was an it was a kind of voice that sounded a slight had a slightly more sensual appeal to it. Like um, you know, maybe it's a harking it's got back more grit to, to it. It's more husky. Yeah, maybe it's a hark back to those kind of like Hollywood days of like you know women purring their way through words and kind of yeah, like. I don't know why, like Selling Sunset has it a little bit as well, um, but it just catch. I find the like how language, like or how accents travel and stuff, quite fascinating. But I don't, I don't know, I don't know how, how and why it spread to. It feels like an affectation. It's not like a natural way of. You have to stress your voice to get it in there. Anyway, I I'm gonna give it like one star out of five because I find it grating. Um. <laughs> what have you brought in for us, Kai? So, going along that theme, actually, so kind of in a similar, kind of similar way. Uh, I'm going to be reviewing mimosas, right? So, I met uh, my girlfriend's parents uh, recently. They're very lovely. They're very white. They're very posh. A lot of vocal fry going on in that conversation. <laughs> um, and uh, they lived in a place called Truro in Cornwall. I don't know if you've been. Um, genuinely, like when I was driving through, I felt like I was in that scene from Get Out or something. And uh, knocked on the door. Um, her dad was like, oh, come in. Oh, we tried to make you feel at home. Uh, would you like a mimosa? Um, <laughs> you, know, you guys know what a mimosa is, right? Yes, yes. Okay, but working did... class, it's called something else, right? Yeah, yeah. because I didn't know what it was. So I genuinely just assumed that a mimosa. 
um, was a mini samosa. So <laughs> the whole way through, I was like, this old British guy says, come in, we tried to make you feel at home. Here's a pagoda or something. I'm like, what is going on? Um, and then, yeah, I had it. Lovely. It's like a, it's like a Fanta that makes you dizzy. And also, <laughs> the one thing I like about it is like a really acceptable face of day drinking. Like, I feel like if I cracked open a can of Stella in the morning, it'd be problematic. But if I do have a mimosa, it's like bougie. I think it's anything that makes daytime drinking culturally acceptable. Box fizz is what is what I wouldn't know it as. I don't know whether that's a class. Yeah, I don't know whether posh people call it a mimosa and working class oh, really? people have a box fizz. I, I know I it's know. like orange juice and some sparkly stuff. What it, does it have to be some sort of like champagne or something? I don't know. It was very good though. So I'm going to give it a four point. Nine, nine out of five. <laughs> oh, leaving a little room for improvement there, Kai. Yeah, I enjoy that. <laughs> and now it's time for your sperm news. This is the news that a team of researchers in uh, England and the US have created, at least they say they've created, the world's first synthetic human embryo-like structures from stem cells, meaning that uh, eventually we could have babies without the need for eggs and sperm, which is either uh, the goal or terrifying. Uh, Tiff Stevenson, you know what synthetic babies look like. Can you unpack this story for us? Sure. I've had a synthetic baby on set before, actually. I don't know how where you guys are of this, but when you're filming TV shows uh, or, or, or in a film or whatever, they give you what they call a jelly baby. And it's a fake <laughs> oh baby. God. It's a fake baby that you like, you know... Um, I had one when we did people just do nothing. So it kind of moves like a real, so that you don't have a kid on set relentlessly, oh, wow. like kind of, you, you sort of got to hold this thing like it's a real baby and they call it a jelly baby. Um, and they are quite terrifying when you look at their faces up close. Why do you call um, it something so delicious? <laughs> <laughs> like it's, weird. Like, it's crazy. Um, yeah, I mean, let's just erase humans altogether or let's just, or just keep having babies till we're in our hundreds. Look, we're at this phase, you know, we've got Pacino, De Niro in their eighties doing this in the sequel to Heat that we never saw coming, you know, <laughs> just octogenarian Pacino and De Niro chasing each other through the streets of Los Angeles, competing to see who can knock up the most younger women and the heat around the corner is jizz quite literally. <laughs> yeah. I feel like we are, we are pushing. Okay, it's really, it's very interesting actually because when we when stuff is kind of like pushed in this way, we are when when men keep going into their eighties and nineties like Bernie Eccleston, you know, in his in his nineties still having kids, everyone seems to go like yeah, like go on. And when women like are over the age of forty having babies, everyone is incredibly incredibly judgmental. So this seems to like be like balancing up between like the you know the. Uh, science is quite ageist uh, <laughs> but like this is sort of almost making it seem like allowing women to get pregnant for longer because it's less about once you get to a certain age it's less about um whether you'll be able to able to it's about the quality of the egg it's like easter have you got cabris or have you got some crappy store brand like we all know which chocolate is better it's cabris so um so it have feels your like eggs it, started to bloom yeah feels like this is this is an egg hunt we should be doing at easter uh like the kids can take part in the chocolate one let's all go let's all go hunting embryos we're taking to the streets with guns the terrifying thing here happens long before we get to human sort of 
humanoid artificially created babies uh it's I think the problem is that there's no clear regulations governing stem cell derived models of human embryos at the moment there's quite strict yeah. rules on what you can do uh to yeah. human embryos that you create in a lab uh but if you're creating them from stem cells there's no rules at all um, and yeah. so the, the, we get into this really horrible ethical uh quagmire yeah that's true time. but it's also like we don't really have like enough laws for humans making babies either like it's still like blows my mind that i can have a baby like i can have a human baby like, i can't have a mortgage but i can somehow have <laughs> a human baby i feel like there should be some sort of practical and theory test but i was really into this and apparently it's like it's at the very early stages so they don't have like a beating heart uh, or a brain so like potentially front running for a toy leadership candidate there um but yeah i just i still feel like i don't know there should be some sort of test for humans some sort of hazard perception test for having a kid just like any sort of red flags just to like for you to notice to make sure they don't grow up to be like a prick or something would be good for modern day society i feel <laughs> there's also a moral a moral like just an assumption that if you have kids that you're a better person that somehow well, having kids makes you better <laughs> but i was a better person before i had kids i'm just <laughs> generally <laughs> I think there's a lot of sins in the world done in the name of the kids and the mortgage. Um, but also, I think this is really interesting. If you do have a baby that's written from uh, stem cells with no egg or sperm required, does that mean they avoid dealing with the baggage of their genetic heritage? Are they just not going to take after their mother or father and just be a sane human being? That'd be nice. Are we, we're programming them. We're getting close back to the AI again. <laughs> we're... <laughs> What's interesting is, you know, like when you, you can have like, in your placenta and stuff, that's all the stem cells. You can have those sort of harvested now after you have a baby and stuff. And because everything that you need, that any illnesses that the baby might have or anyone else in the family can actually be, and, and you can, I think you can do that in the UK and in France, they're like, no, they, they don't want that to happen. Cause I think there was someone who came over from France to do that recently I was I was reading about which is kind of mad like the idea of a woman being able to keep and use anything from her like that it's it's been built out of a woman's body and then they're like no it's unethical for you to have this have this thing that came out of your own body the idea that it's unethical for women to be able to utilize something that that kind of seems crazy to me of like if you grew the placenta as well as you grew the baby why can't you use that it's like nature's medicine cabinet <laughs> and now spotify news now this is podcasting news and news in the world of harry and Meghan, which we don't normally cover on the gargle here we normally tend to avoid uh, those stories not for any real reason other than that i don't know why i should care about some random from a show that i don't watch marrying Meghan markle um so we've avoided this until now, but apparently after signing a $20 million deal with Spotify to make a podcast, uh, Harry and Meghan are jumping out of the deal after making only 12 episodes. Uh, Kai Samra, you're on a podcast. Can you unpack this story for us? <laughs> yes, like I said, this is a story of our Spotify executive called Prince Harry and Meghan Markle grifters. Now, I should probably say at this point, I'm quite thick, uh, so I didn't know what a grifter was. I'm going to Google it now. So basically it's like, a grifter is a person who engages in petty or small scale swindling. And I'm like, 
He's part of the royal family. He's been in pre- he's been pretty involved in mass scale swindling for a number of decades. Do you know what I mean? Like being like being surprised that a member of the royal family is just taking your money and offered nothing back is like being surprised like the dodgy skunk you bought from your local dealer doesn't come with a returns policy. It's obviously it's not going to happen. Um, but to be fair, I'm similar to you, Alice. Like I feel like working in the comedy industry, just like one less podcast hosted by like a rich nepo baby can only be a good thing. <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, but yeah, I'm the same. I like, I don't know how I feel about Prince Harry. I don't know about you, Tiff. I don't know. I just feel like I hated him. <laughs> and then, I don't know, it's just something like, he used to wear like Nazi outfits and then suddenly he's like married Megal and he's like, he's just split. I feel like people on the left, like all comedians love him. It's like really split. And I don't know how to feel about it, to be honest with you. The book was really upsetting and ruined Elizabeth Arden's eight hour cream for me forever after he talked about putting it on his penis. I'm like, this was one of my fa- go-to products. And now I've got to yeah. think about your penis and the and the ghost of your mother, weirdly. The ghost yeah. of how it reminded you of your mother. Um, I think it's like, you gave them the money. That's what I kind of think of the, like calling them grifters as if like giving people p- purely because they have royal titles and a certain level of fame without any knowledge that they can back that up with any decent content isn't on the the platform as well. I find that interesting. I'm like, oh, you're calling them grifters. Well, what are you then if you're just like throwing 20 million at, p- at people who don't have a track record of making this stuff? The Spotify have made a whole business that's grifted on other artists, to be fair. So I'm kind of glad in one way it's happened. I'm like, <laughs> you, the grifters have become the grifted. Yes, well it probably doesn't even make sense. I only learned the word about 10 minutes ago. The grifty, the grifty. I'm going <laughs> to come in left field and say that it's Spotify's fault for not giving them a good producer because as somebody who <laughs> allegedly makes a weekly podcast, I know that it is like 99% the work of the producers in getting something done and I just show up and say my stupid jokes and then all of the magic is done behind the scenes. Uh, so, you know, I feel like this is entirely Spotify's fault. This is uh, it's like giving someone a horse, but not a saddle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's sometimes it's hard to feel sorry for people when they've got a lot of money. Um, you know, when they when their complaints and their very nice lifestyle. But at the same time, I do sort of feel that they're between a rock and the hard place, and I don't know which one is the hard place and which one is the rock. Yeah, to be fair, I only just started watching Succession. And I was like, I'm not going to feel sorry for any of these posh white people. And I suddenly got into it. So I don't want to make a precedent of it and apply that to Prince Harry as well now. I feel like that's a one-off. Well, I mean, the good thing now is you can listen to his entire back catalogue in under a day, particularly if you do it at two and a half speed. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it's 12 episodes of the podcast. And, 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 and I think they will probably not keep the $20 million. I'm, I'm sure that the, the deal that they made would have some kind of, if you don't, if you only show out 12 episodes of the podcast, then you don't get to keep the $20 million. Otherwise, that is an extremely well-paid podcast and almost as well-paid as I am. So, Oh, no, I think they'll get to keep it. That's a, yeah for the yeah. amount of publicity. That's the sign-on. That's, that's the deal. That's what Spotify have done. You give them the money. You can't then yeah. turn around and go, oh, actually, we've changed our minds. And also, the, ri- the, the risk of, like, a libel case. Didn't, like, Phoebe Waller-Bridge get, like, 20 million from Amazon or something and then didn't really produce much? So Well, ah. Not, trying, that's to, the, not trying to throw one of us. No, 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 no. But also, great. that's, that's <laughs> interesting because just because we... So, I was reading about this and I was like, oh yeah, yeah, that sounds like a lot of money. But just because we haven't seen it, 
the content doesn't mean it's not being produced. So that doesn't mean that scripts weren't being made and then being binned off or not agreed to be good enough or pilots being made and stuff being. And so half the time, I think when these huge deals happen, it is also partially about uh, taking these people off the market for anyone else to be able to, to use. So Spotify going, we want Harry and Meghan and we don't want anyone else to have them. And Amazon are going, we want Phoebe Waller-Bridge because if we if, if Amazon don't come in and do the deal, then Apple are going to pay her a shit ton of money. So sometimes it's about taking people out of the marketplace and 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 so that you can kind of go, oh, look, this, this is the jewel in our sparkly crown. To And also, to be fair, at this point, who would not be willing to pay just a f- ton of money for less content? Yeah. <laughs> And Apple News now, and this is the news that Apple is taking on apples. That is to say, Apple, the business, is uh, in conflict with the fruit for (laughs) its trademark shape being an apple shape. Uh, Tiff Stevenson, you keep doctors away. Can you unpack this story for us? So Apple wants rights to the image of apples uh, in Switzerland. and And apparently it's one of 12 countries where it's flexing its legal muscles. Apple is suing a Swiss company because they've got a logo which is a white apple on a on a red background. It doesn't even have the bite mark out of it. But you can't you can't own apples. That's like trying to say you own the sky or clouds. And I think if anyone has a claim on that, it's probably Magritte. Um, in fact, Magritte's got a good claim on apples as well. Son of man, that's an apple in the face. And uh, what I like to do, um, I actually went to the Magritte Museum, and. Uh, uh, what I like to do is lean over someone's shoulder and whisper, this is not a Magritte. <laughs> Which is a great art joke if you're into Magritte. Um, <laughs> but yes, so Apple are trying to say they own the image, you know, rights to Chris Martin and Gwyneth Paltrow's kid. <laughs> anything <laughs> anything to do with Apple's uh, that, they, that they are going to sue for copyright infringement, which, like I say, feels insane. Yeah, they seem to yeah. be trying to secure it in, in Switzerland, but not just that very iconic bitten apple shape. They seem to be going after every kind of variation of apple. It's weird. It's like, I feel like it's not a coincidence that it's like, because they're bringing out that new Vision Pro virtual reality headset. I think they're just going to start, like everyone's going to have one and they're just going to start sponsoring just any inanimate object or living thing. You know, like you see like a, a black horse and you just see it sponsored by Lloyd's TSB or like a puppy <laughs> Labrador sponsored by Andrex, that sort of thing. But then I went on like a little rabbit hole on this and apparently, because I was like, why is that their logo? And apparently it's because like Alan Turing, who's supposed to be like the father of modern day computing, died because he ate uh, apple laced with cyanide. And I'm like, that's such a weird thing to have like the founder kind of father of your industry, like the logo being the thing that killed him. And I kind of realised that's what Christianity does with the cross. So I'm not really... <laughs> so maybe it wasn't the first one, to be fair. But yeah, I think we're sat in like a dangerous precedent with this. And I feel like with virtual reality, it's going to go... It's just going to go to the moon. Everything's going to be sponsored. Everything you see. Oh, sponsorship on the moon. I know. Who do you, who, which corporation do you reckon is going to get the moon? Uh, I think Tampax, because the moon and, uh, you know, cycles, just 28-day cycles... I think yeah. that definitely if anyone should if anyone should sponsor the moon, it should be a period product. Yeah, I've just watched Wallace and Gromit, so I was going to say cheddar cheese. That's how different we are. That is how different our perspectives are. Over the past couple of years, Apple has uh, gone after a meal prepping app that has a pear logo, a singer-songwriter named Frankie Pineapple, a German cycling route, a pair of stationery makers, and a school district that used an Apple as its logo, among 
others. It's also fought a decades-long battle with the Beatles music label, which was called Apple Corps, uh, which was finally resolved in 2007. And I feel like here we have an instance of people who are being paid a lot of money, uh, which is to say the legal department of Apple in the copyright area, um, who should just sit back and not you know like I feel like this is a Harry like this is a Harry and Meghan job give Harry and Meghan this job and uh just let them sit on their hands because this seems completely deranged yeah I think I'm actually thinking about I think like those synthetic babies definitely sponsored by Jelly Baby I think (laughs) in 2010 apparently they got a very small Swiss grocers cooperative to enter an out-of-court agreement a binding out-of-court agreement declaring that they would never add a bite mark to their logo of an apple Wow, just man. So it's the it's the biting, it's the <laughs> biting of something that they're trying to. That, that's the you can have the apple, but not if someone's taken a bite out of it. I think they're just. I just think they're just trying it on. I think genuinely, I think they're just anything that even you know dings the artificial intelligence capture sensor that might look like an apple is coming in with within their remit, and they're just going to hunt it down because they've got the money. Why not? Yeah, so that's 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 where it feels like the the David and Goliath kind of. I think that happened with the. Well, I know it happened with the Glee clubs because, in fact, I did a show for them uh, after they won. I think they won their court case. So the Glee comedy clubs had been for years running under the name the, the Glee clubs, and then there was a TV show in America. Um, called Glee Club and so they were like no we own this name and I think they came along way after the clubs so that went to a whole you know went through a whole copyright trademark sort of battle over who really owns Glee gleefully (laughs) gleefully doing stuff I think the only people who really own Glee are three-year-olds just a three-year-old with chocolate smears around their mouth and an innocent look on their face I think those are the only people who are really morally entitled to the word Glee a freshly painted wall nearby that a handprint can go directly on. Well, that brings us to the end of the show. I'm flipping through the ads at the back. Uh, Kai, have you got anything to plug? Probably my, my next show. I'm going to LA, so I'm going to tune my ears to that vocal fry that I've seen at <laughs> uh, um, So, yeah, I'm doing the Dynasty Typewriter next month, uh, and that's probably the next show I'm doing. So, if anybody out there is in LA, I need to sell tickets. So. The thing to do is add more uh, airiness and breathiness to your vocal fry so that you can get uh, vocal air fryer. Um, <laughs> Tiff, have you got anything to plug? I will be at the Fringe for one week doing a work in progress. Um, so that's at the Monkey Barrel at 12 from the 14th to the 20th. And uh, I'm also doing Falmouth Cringe Festival. And if you haven't listened, then you should be checking out Catharsis my podcast on the bugle network with lots of fantastic guests do check that out it's an excellent podcast i have both been on it and listened to it which is unusual (laughs) i rarely listen to podcasts that that i'm on (laughs) we have a live gargle at the edinburgh fringe on the 15th and the 22nd of august if you want to come up and watch this happen in real life also i'll be doing my show in edinburgh i am alice fraser find me online at patreon.com slash alice fraser where i do my weekly writers meetings if you'd like to come and write with me uh, on a sunday we have a writers meeting and a workshop uh, so that's a fun thing that you can do and at the moment i still haven't figured out how much i should charge for them so you get uh, four, four a month for a dollar a month which feels 
<laughs> not like not <laughs> enough money. Um, but take advantage of that. Patreon.com slash Alice Fraser. This is a Bugle podcast and Alice Fraser production. Your editor is Ped Hunter. Your executive producer is Chris Skinner. I'll talk to you again next week. You can listen to other programs from The Bugle, including The Bugle, Catharsis, Tiny Revolutions, Top Stories and The Gargle, wherever you find your podcasts. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com